turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We are going to continue a series that uh, we began before I went to Australia on pleasing God. And uh, the Bible has uh, uh, speaks very clearly about this issue of pleasing God. And so our study is uh, looking at these various scriptures. So we're going to learn exactly what the Bible has to say about how to please God. want to get some uh, scriptures this morning. Uh, I'm going to read, Brian is going to read for me, uh, main verse, Colossians 1, 9, and 12. Josh Wright, read for me, 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 1. Steve Garfield, read Revelations 1, 5. Dennis, 1 John 4, 19. Ryan, 2 Timothy 2, 4. Mick Woodcock, Matthew 25, 21. Casey, uh, Colossians 1, verse uh, 10. Uh, Pete Walter, John 8, 29. Uh, Corey, Colossians 1, 9. And uh, Don Galati, Galatians 1, 1. Okay, let's get our, our uh, launching scripture for the whole series, which is 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Finally, Okay, so in this scripture, we're using this as the uh, launching passage because uh, Paul writes to believers and he says that uh, when I was your pastor, I taught you have received and it's very clear how to please God. And so this is something that is knowable. Let's look at our scripture uh, for this morning, Colossians 1, 9 through 12. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, full, fully pleasing him, of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and longsuffering will with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Okay, today's... Uh... Uh, title is Pleasing God Through Our Lives. So let's begin. Let's talk about pleasing uh, God for a moment. To understand the Bible, you always have to understand the, uh, the context of uh, why he was writing and who he was writing to. Now, Paul was writing to uh, people in the uh, city of Colossae that uh, they were surrounded by false religion. Many of them had been raised in false religion. And uh, one of the common uh, themes of these religions or characteristics, I guess we should say, is that they were impersonal. It was said of, uh, of the, the, the Greek gods uh, that they were apathetic. The word apathetic means without feeling or you don't care. In other words, that the gods didn't personally care about what... Uh, 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 people were doing and they were uh, not involved. If you study the book of Colossians, Paul is writing to these people and the major issue that they are dealing with in false religion were, were people who were involved uh, or who were battling 
something called Gnosticism. Gnosticism, it was all about knowledge. And so it had nothing to do with what kind of person you were. It had nothing to do with how you lived or your actions. The, the sum total of, uh, of the religion was what do you know? And that is, I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but that is the basis of uh, Gnosticism. So Paul writes the book of Colossians and the entire book is a, a defense of the gospel, but is coming against this idea. He is contrasting. He said that that false religions may have this idea that, that the gods are apathetic or don't care, but that is not God. He says false religion may be simply what do you know or what facts, what knowledge do you have? That is not the gospel. So that's the book of Colossians. That's giving us a background. And so he's writing, and what we're going to look at here is he's giving the understanding of this idea, and we read here, is that God can be pleased. And uh, so he gives the understanding of how to uh, please God. So Christianity is very different than other religions in that it is a personal religion. That is the main idea. And so Christianity is based on a relationship with a personal God. Let's look at some scriptures. Revelations 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, who ruled over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. Okay, here is uh, uh, this uh, picture of Jesus Christ. It, it gives the picture of who he is, what he's done, the firstborn uh, uh, from the dead. But it gives this understanding to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. This is, this is a, a person, not knowledge. This is the love of God. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. Okay, we love him because he first loved us. This is the foundation of all that we do is actually a reaction uh, of, of returning love to the one who loves us. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, this is not just a program. It's not something that, uh, that you, you sign up and agree to a certain set of rules. It's not... Uh, simply an institution, but salvation is all about relationship with a person. Second Timothy two verse four. Okay, this uh, we'll actually look at this uh, in detail later on. But but uh, this is the idea: the, the Roman army had uh, uh, in in uh, enlistment or recruitment. It was not simply uh, based on age, but one of the things. This was a great honor for a community to raise up a regiment of soldiers. And often this would be someone who was known in the community who would personally go to these young men and enlist them. So it's not just simply your numbers called or, or you met uh, some recruiter that you've never met in your entire life. This was someone that was known. This would be a neighbor or a prominent member of the community. And it was... He who enlisted you. That was the, the picture that Paul is writing. And he is talking about this, that we have someone who enlisted us, someone that we have a relationship 
uh, uh, with. Matthew 25, verse 21. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and the faithful over many things. Enter now into the joy of thy Lord. Okay, this is a, uh, a common theme throughout the parables is that the parables present this picture of, uh, uh, of someone who uh, gives benefits, someone who holds us accountable, and someone who is pleased when we take correct actions. And you take this parable and, and apply it to, that, uh, that at the end of our lives, there is someone who is waiting for us, someone who's been keeping record or keeping account, but ultimately someone who uh, invites us to enter in to the joy of the Lord. So if this is true then, the foundation of our lives is not what are the rules. There's, I have people who want to know, they come and they want to know what are the rules. Uh, they, they get technical. Is, is the word marijuana in the Bible? Is it okay if there's, yeah, I don't see Budweiser in there, so is that therefore okay? And, and uh, they, they want to know all the, the exact rules. And so uh, uh, this idea that they're going to, they're going to codify somehow in, in life and, and uh, what is right, what is wrong, what is acceptable, what do you have to do, what can't you do, and all these kinds of things. But that is not what salvation is all about. Underlying our relationship with God is this idea that because He loved us, because He paid such a high price to have relationship with us, we therefore, the fundamental uh, uh, motivation of our life is to please the one. The issue is not simply where is it in the rules. The issue is what pleases God, and this is the basis of salvation. Colossians 1, verse 10. Okay, and so uh, he now writes to these people in, in Colossians. Remember, they're dealing with people who are explaining the belief of Gnosticism. What do you know? He doesn't write to the people in Colossians and say, Give me your Bible knowledge. What is it you know about God? That's not the question. He writes to them and he says here that you might walk worthy of the Lord. His translation says, fully pleasing or unto all pleasing. That's the issue is, is it pleasing to God? Is your life pleasing to uh, uh, God? And that word pleasing is, is literally beautiful, or the idea is, does it make God happy the way that you are, are living? So, so this then presents a different foundation. Gnosticism is, I live any way that I want to. Whatever feels good to me, what they believed was it actually doesn't matter uh, uh, how you live because the body's evil, God doesn't even care. And so the focus in Gnosticism is me, 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 and then I know some facts. But the foundation of Christianity is actually, it, it is not that. A true believer is the, found, the fundamental motivation in every choice is not, does that please me? But rather, 
Does that please God? So this is a higher rule of life, greater than a codified rule of, uh, of uh, conduct, is what would make God happy, and is this in God's best interest in uh, my life? John 8, verse 29. Okay, Jesus uh, uh, gives, uh, this is a uh, fundamental motivation of life. He says, I do always the things that please the Father. That's how I live. That, that therefore moves life in a higher plane than is this right and wrong? Is that legal, illegal? Is it against the rules of the church? Any of those kinds of things. Jesus says, in everything, in my job, right? If we apply this to us, this is, is our, our families, our jobs, our finances, our, our uh, free time, all kinds of things, is I do the things that are pleasing uh, to God. And so, uh, as, uh, as part of this, if we're going to please God, remember, he's writing to people who, who, uh, uh, they believe that the sum total of, of, uh, having a relationship with God was knowledge. And so, to be a believer, uh, uh, he's not discounting this idea of, of knowledge. That you, uh, doesn't matter what you know, doesn't matter what you believe is he does connect this. If you're going to please God, this is going to involve spiritual knowledge. Colossians 1, verse 9. Okay, so he, he writes, and, and you've got to remember, he's writing to people who uh, uh, knowledge was everything. So he says now, if our desire is to please God, that's, that's the fundamental motivation, then he uses three words or, or three statements about uh, uh, that have to do with this idea of, of knowledge. The first of those is the knowledge of his will. So someone who is going to please God, what is behind decisions that please God is, is, is uh, overriding what is God's will. And that would be true in marriage, finances, ministry, uh, career, every aspect of life is the knowledge uh, of uh, God's will. In other words, what has God planned or intended uh, for my life? Galatians 1 verse 1. Uh, okay, yeah, so in, in another translation says, uh, uh, I'm an apostle, I was not chosen to be an apostle by human beings, nor was I sent from human beings, I was made an apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. So Paul this now is how he identifies. You'll find this at the beginning, uh, I believe, of almost every epistle, is he would write a letter. Who is it who's writing? He says, I am one who has been chosen by God. In other words, I am doing what God wants me to do with my life. That is, the, that is how he viewed himself, is that more than anything else, 
I am doing the will of God. So that is that becomes a, uh, a, a fundamental understanding. If we're going to please God, we need to find out what it is that God wants us to do. And so that's a, an important uh, thought. The second word that is used here has to do with wisdom. In uh, Colossians 1, 9, knowledge of his will in all wisdom. And so this, is, uh, this word wisdom simply means the knowledge of first principles and, uh, or the foundations of the way things work. How do you know that God has given us instructions in all the areas of life? He will not, uh, uh, there may be uh, specifics of your life that the Bible doesn't have an exact scripture for, but there are foundational principles of how to use money, foundational principles of marriage, foundational principles of relationships, ministry, and all these kinds of things. And so he says, if you're going to please God, you're going to have to find out some of these foundational principles. You have uh, people who they make uh, uh, decisions that are uh, clearly not in line with the, uh, the will of God. It's going to be very hard for you to please God if you don't have a relationship with him if you don't find out what God says. People are contemplating decisions. And the key question is, what, is, what has God said? What's the foundational uh, principles? The third word that is used here has to do with spiritual understanding. And that then, therefore, is the ability to apply the wisdom or the first principles to your situation. So, he gives this, uh, this thought then that we have a personal relationship with God and the basis of that relationship needs to be that we please Him and that overrides every other consideration. Okay, let's open for uh, questions or comments. Something you want to add or something you want to ask uh, at this point before we move on to anything else. Jeff Brown. Well, what's the difference between a Gnostic and a deist? Uh, you're asking a man who's still jet-lagging. Uh, uh, someone who believes in Gnostic, uh, Gnosticism is um, they believe in knowledge and they, they believe that the body is uh, evil so therefore it doesn't matter what you do. It is simply what you know about God. A deist is someone who believes that there is a God but he has no involvement in your life. Now, those are both oversimplifications but that gives the basic idea. Okay, Jeff, round two. <laughs> well, I know in my own life, you know, it's like William Booth, you know, he has this vision of falling into hell. Well, you know, after that, it's uh, easy to get motivated, I think. Or if you read the scriptures, you know, you see that uh, John <laughs> saw a vision of God, you know, and he fell down and said, Man, I'm undone, I've seen the kingdom, you know. And that's pretty impressive, but for us, that God has a reached out and said, you know, you must preach or something. It's almost like easy to fall, to not think that you are called for for a purpose to please God. You know, I mean, that isn't as cognizant in your mind when you don't think you have a tremendous calling. Yeah, uh, that's true. But the the, the mistake of that is, is uh, we use the word calling and uh, you here in our congregation, we make great emphasis on calling to preach the gospel. 
And so if you didn't hear what Jeff said, is that we have people who they uh, received a vision from God, a calling to ministry, uh, et cetera. And so if you don't have that, he's saying it's easier to, uh, what was it you said? It's harder? What did you say? If you don't have that, it's harder to what? If you don't have that, it's, it's, if you don't have that in the front of your mind as a, as a reference point, you know, it's easier to say, well, you know, I'm saved and everything, but, and of course, in the back of our mind, we know we're called to please God, but, but maybe not as much as somebody that is preaching or, and that's not right. We are all, all, all yes. God. Yeah. So that, that, that's true. So that, the mistake that is made is that someone who is called, uh, uh, being called to preach, then makes you uh, that that would make you a on a different level. That's how we view it. That those are the ones who have to be committed. And I'm not called to preach, therefore I don't have to uh, please God or order my life or discipline uh, my life in those ways. So as I said, the the, the fundamental. Uh, uh, motivation of life should be to please God. Is my life pleasing God? For one person, you will not please God. If you're called to preach, you're not going to please God if you're doing something else. That That is the understanding. But all of us are called, number one, we do have a calling to please God. There may be individual uh, aspects of our life that God wants us to uh, uh, do or, or or be involved in. And so that, yes, that is a mistake that that only those who are called to preach are the ones who then have to uh, uh, be disciplined or committed, etc. Bob? With all help, Jeff, and probably everyone here, when I first got saved, I was called for two weeks. God is speaking to me and revealing to me in my heart. So my whole Christianity here in Preston was focused on Bible study and music group, years of Bible study. Throughout the preach, so I find myself in two sides. Pastoring for three and a half years, again, my whole focus, most of my motivation was one day I'll preach, this is what I'm doing, what I'm doing. But I pastored in Tucson for three and a half years, pioneer in Jersey, and failed. So I'm coming back into Prescott with my yellow rider truck and my two daughters in total defeat and total disorientation. And would save my salvation for the first year and a half being back in the Preston for redirection, which I think possibly a lot of men aren't able to gather the reference points as we just talked about motivation for doing what we're doing. Is I had two things clearly in my heart one was do what I've been taught, how I've been discipled, and just in spite of the feelings of defeat and disorientation. Do what you've been taught to disciple. And that really saved me and kept me active and involved. But also, probably even overarching that is, I clearly knew Jesus, you got me into this thing, and it's you that I need that. So I pressed in and the branch reconnected as I needed desperately for a year and a half. And I did quote unquote find him again or just made contact everything just yeah, very good. Somebody else? Over here, Jenny? Well, <laughs> 
absolutely. Absolutely. Another hand over there. Ellie? Yes. Yeah. So there are, uh, uh, the idea is, is, first of all, there are, uh, there are universal callings that we're all called to do. We're all called to pray, read our Bibles, witness. You know, there are things that are true for every believer. And then there will be individual uh, callings or plans that God may have for one person that be different for another, only one of which is whether you're going to preach the gospel or not. But uh, that's a difference. Yes, and God, God gives abilities, right? He gives different abilities. Casey? Yeah, we, ha we do have a responsibility to find out. Some people don't want to know because it would change the, uh, the way that they live. But yes, yeah, so that's, that's, the, that's why we're reading our, our main scripture in, in 1 Thessalonians is that the basis of that is, is you can know. So he's writing back to people he passed before. He says, I, you clearly know. I preached it. It's not mysterious. That's why we're doing this series. Matt? Oftentimes you discern your calling by the ability that God has given you, the equipping of God to do his will. Can you somehow connect your calling um, due to your abilities? Yeah, Matt is asking, do you sometimes discern your calling by your ability? That that can be. Uh, there are times that it becomes apparent a person's gifting is a, uh, or ability leads them. But then on the other hand, there are people who, uh, who they don't appear to have any uh, ability, but God has called them regardless and will supply what they lack. So the bottom line is if you, if you ask, God will know. It is knowable. That's the key, the will of God. All right, let's, let's look at uh, next point. Need to get some scriptures. Uh, need some more people to uh, read. Uh, Jesse, read James 2, 17 and 18. Uh, uh, read Colossians 1, 10. Uh, please, Jeff. Uh, Devin, Matthew 7, 17 and 18. Matthew 7, 17 and 18. Paul, Philippians 1, 27. Over here, John, Kern, Colossians 1, 10. Read it the second time. Phil, uh, Luke 10. Uh, 27. Okay, so let's talk about a worthy uh, walk here. All right, so Paul is is combating uh, Gnosticism. Just to give that idea, Gnosis is is the Greek word for knowledge, and what they believed it was actually special knowledge. But uh, the fundamental uh, belief of Gnosticism is that the body was evil, the spirit is good. So if you hold that belief. It doesn't matter what you do in your body. God doesn't care. And uh, uh, so their whole religion was based on uh, special rituals or actually you, you would learn certain passwords that would let you in on their beliefs or, or their uh, knowledge. So it does not matter how you act. It only matters uh, uh, what you know. Okay, and that is not just an ancient uh, belief. We had an 
in um, uh, South Africa where we were pastoring the church next door to us. They believed in a modern version of Gnosticism, and that was that the pastor could be committing adultery, could smoke, could drink, could take drugs, do anything that he wanted because they believed that that was the needs of the body. The body had needs. But when he, they wore special robes, but when he put on the holy robe, now he's a man of God. So this, uh, this, this is why the Bible is modern and up to date, but this, this is uh, in more subtle ways it, uh, in, infects this, is that so there, he's, get this in your head, he's writing to people who said, it doesn't matter how you act, it only matters what you know. Now, but to the Jews, the Jews believed something about uh, uh, knowledge, and that was this, knowledge and conduct are bound up uh, uh, together. And in fact, you don't know something unless you do it. So this is different than what they believe. James 2, 17 and 18. The gospel was made by itself. It does not have words yet. But some will say, you have faith and I have words. Show me your faith without your words. Okay, so this is uh, that, that then explains this verse when he writes, uh, James writes to these believers, and he says, Faith, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. And so it literally, if you know something and it doesn't affect the way you live, it is useless. It's not doing you any good. If we were to uh, uh, use an analogy, imagine... Uh, imagine if, if Michael Jordan had died. Uh, he's not dead yet, but if Michael Jordan died and you were starting a basketball team and you went and dug him up and brought his body and you said, we have Michael Jordan on the team. Say, but he's dead. Yeah, but we got him on the team. You put a uniform on it. Say, that, that would be ridiculous. It's not doing you any good unless he can do something, right? Okay, that would be, that, that was, is actually what he's illustrating to people who are saying, it doesn't matter how you live. It only matters what do you believe. What are the creeds of your church? And have you signed on to the... He says, listen, that is, that is a, a, a nonsense. It matters how you live. So being a believer, if you're going to please God, this is bound up in your actions. Pleasing God definitely is connected to how we live. Colossians 1 verse 10, the first time that he may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay, so he told them in verse 9, he says that the, the fundamental motivation of life is that we please God. Okay, so yes, I want to please the Lord. You want to make God happy with you. Verse 10 flows out of that. He says that you would walk worthy, or that word walk is, is actually conduct that your actions that can be observed. And so the, the understanding is that conduct is the proof or the evidence of what is inside of us. Matthew 7, 17 and 18. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and bad tree bears bad fruit. Good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can bad tree bear good Okay, this is the, the idea of... Um, of uh, conduct, and he's uh, he's writing and talking about people who claim salvation, and he says, how can this be 
that you say one thing, but you live another. And then he uses this analogy out of life, is a good tree will always produce good fruit, a bad tree, bad fruit. In other words, the fruit is the evidence of what kind of tree it is. It doesn't matter what you claim is that the fruit will be the evidence. And so he's talking now about uh, about uh, conduct. And this is more than just a one-time event. You meet people, you're, you're, you're a believer, you're saved, you're born again. Yes, I did that back in 1951. I did that. So it's an event. But this word walk here is actually a series of individual steps. It's not just one big event. And so the word that he uses about conduct is that our walk should be worthy of the Lord. This is a measuring word. It was the, 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 uh, the beam on, on the, if you saw scales, they had the, uh, the chain with a tray hanging down. It was literally the balance beam of this. And so walking worthy is when the balances are equal. That was the, the idea. It was equivalent. So he is saying, if you name the name of Jesus Christ, your conduct ought to measure up or be appropriate with uh, your uh, profession. Philippians 1, 27. Let me let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or in absence, I may hear of your affairs. Okay, and the King James, let your conversation, which is lifestyle, not, not words, let your lifestyle be as it becometh, or that word is literally appropriate. Let your life be appropriate uh, to who you are and what you believe. How many of you here, you have witnessed, told somebody about Jesus, and they've said, yeah, but I work with a guy, or I know somebody who says they're a believer, and then they tell you about their horrible conduct. You ever had that happen? How many of you have been the person that they're... Never mind, never mind. <laughs> so this is the idea, and sinners know this, right? Believers want to argue about, you know, where does it say beer in the Bible? That no, no. But sinners will tell you, wait a minute, I work with this guy... I know somebody and the way they're living does not line up with, it's not appropriate with what they say they believe. This is exactly the idea that he's uh, writing here is that conduct is evidence and it should be appropriate uh, to what we say. So if we are believers... There should be an outward evidence of inward reality. Colossians 1.10, the second time. Okay, that you would walk worthy. He says if your life is appropriate or measuring up, then you will be fruitful in every good work. There's that idea again. Fruit is evidence. There'll be some evidence and fruitful in every good work that is something that is beneficial or useful. In other words, a believer does things that do not just benefit them. A believer, first of all, their focus is this pleasing to God. Second of all, the way that they live 
will be of benefit or blessing to other people. Their focus is outward. Someone who pleases God does not simply live for themselves, but their focus is other people. Luke 10, 27. So the answer said, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Okay, he's uh, uh, quoting here. Uh, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what, what does the scripture say? And he correctly identifies out of all of the things he could said, here are the two elements. Love God. And he says, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. In other words, other people are going to feel the benefit of you loving God. If you live your life and no one else gets any benefit from uh, your belief, then he says that is invalid. He tells the parable off the back of this of the, uh, the Good Samaritan. Okay, so what are some practical ways that our lives can be fruitful or in other words, that our lives can be a blessing to God and other people? So let's get practical. What are practical ways that your life can be fruitful? Carolyn? You know, out on the ranch, we have a diverse culture. We're the only church going people really on the land. And our Mexican fence workers over there, for the longest time, the boss is to get to buy them this, to get to buy them that. They're always in need of something for their house. So they would come to us. And I would dig it out. So she's saying there, this is an important thing. The Bible says that in your, in, your, uh, in your finances, other people should get the benefit of your finances. That's, that's one part. Rob? Well, what's the happens to you is that you have a relationship with God and God So he, this is an important part. Prayer is not simply a shopping list of all the things I want, I need, but prayer should, other people should be getting the benefit of your prayer. Matt? You said character and attitude alone can be a blessing if you maintain a right uh, character and attitude, you know what I mean? Exemplify, showing Christ and how he would act around people rather than being a burden and an annoyance around other people, you know, causing them problems and bringing them grief. You know, talking about them, you know, doing things that aren't right, causing a bunch of problems at work, but being a blessing to them, to people. They can see, they can see God and they can have a, a relief to be around a person that's, you know, decent, you know, in life. 
Okay, an attitude, as the bumper sticker says, Jesus loves you, everybody else thinks you're a jerk. <laughs> that would be bad if that's the way that we live. Uh, who's there, Sonny? There's a, um, an incredible group of ladies in this church that I believe are very pleasing to God because they're willing to give up their time and their energies when somebody either has a baby or um, has a sickness or something. They will uh, make a dinner meal for them and bring it to their home and take care of them. I believe that's really pleasing to God that they're willing to share and to give like that. Okay, a practical way when someone's uh, in the hospital, had a baby, sick. That they uh, uh, bless them with a meal. That's a practical way. John? What kind of testimony, John? Okay. Testimony at work, and what do you what? Actually, what do you think is the greatest testimony that you should have at work? That you work. <laughs> that would that would help, uh, Pete. at work here. In this generation, it, it is a good testimony to stay married uh, because there's so much divorce and to love your spouse. That's practical. Yeah, that would be a good testimony. The majority of the world. George? Okay, let's bring the last section. Need some more uh, scriptures to be read. Woody here, Colossians 1:11. Stephen, who's awake, is going to read Ephesians 6:13. Uh, I don't want anybody from San Luis falling asleep while I'm talking here. Uh, of course, you won't. Um, uh, Charles is going to read uh, Colossians 1:11. You read it the second time. Uh, Colossians 1:11, the second time. Uh, need some other scriptures. Matt is going to read Numbers 20, 
verse 10 and 11, Al Herman, Colossians 1, 11 and 12, and uh, Luke, Colossians 1, 11, you read it the third time. Okay, so we wind up. Our motivation, first of all, is to please God. The second thought is that our conduct should line up with, that's, that is the, uh, uh, the manifestation that we're wanting to please God. And then he winds it up by talking about our attitude. And this is what Matt uh, uh, touched on. So let's talk about worthy attitudes. It is possible to uh, have knowledge of the will of God. You know some things. It's possible to even doing some right things, but ruin it by our attitudes. You ever seen, for instance, perhaps a a child that you are uh, insisting that they do uh, a certain action and they do it, but they do it with a pouting, snotty attitude. They've just, it's not acceptable. That does not make you uh, happy. So Paul writes, and to make sure that we're not pouting, snotty believers, right, who are doing technically the right thing, but our attitude uh, stinks. So he gives us some attitudes that please God. Then if we're going to please God, number one, there should be patience in adversity. Colossians 1.11. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Okay, this word uh, patience, it is a word that means remaining under or bearing up. It actually has the idea of holding your position in battle. That is a very, very uh, uh, important thought. And so the idea is that you continue to do right uh, in spite of adversity or negative circumstances. Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, uh, and having done all to stand. Okay, having done all to stand, that is a uh, a picture of Roman soldiers is that you will stay, keep doing what you know is right. Brother Bob said in a in a time where he was uh, uh, battling with uh, uh, personal failure is one of the things that kept him going is is doing what I know to do. That's a very profound uh, issue, and uh, so that's patience in adversity. Secondly, an attitude that pleases God is patience with people. And uh, dealing with people can be very, very uh, uh, frustrating. You can uh, become irritated with their shortcomings and bitter at their violations and despairing that they'll ever change. And so we see that it's possible because of people that we allow people to sour us and and, uh, we take wrong actions. Numbers 20, 10 and 11. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water from this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with the rod smote the rock twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and uh, their beasts also. Okay, so here uh, Moses, dealing with the frustrations of people, reacts uh, incorrectly. So our scripture, Colossians 1.11, gives us the correct attitude. Okay, so patience is keeping on doing uh, what you need to do in spite of circumstances. Long-suffering is, is the idea, literally means long-tempered, and or keeping your temper. The idea is that you restrain yourself and your natural 
tendencies that you don't tell people everything that you feel <laughs> in spite of what they're doing. That would be uh, patience with people. That's pleasing to God. And thirdly, uh, the third attitude is joyful thanks. Colossians 1, 11 and 12. Okay, and uh, so uh, this there is a, is a, a choice. Uh, the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father who made us in, uh, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in, in light. So he's writing to people who are undergoing difficult uh, circumstances, and he says, if you're going to please God, you're going to have a heart that chooses to focus on God, that God is worthy to be praised and thanked, even in, in bad situations, and believing God in currently bad situations that he is able uh, to uh, uh, turn things around. And the result, therefore, is that when we have these uh, attitudes, this releases the power of God. Colossians 1.11. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, with all patience and long-suffering and will. Okay, so the end result is that people who want to please God, uh, that's the, the, the fundamental motive of their life. They want to please God with their attitudes. They want to please God with their actions. The Bible says something happens as God supplies supernatural strength to enable us to do that. Okay, we've got time for a couple questions or, or comments. Uh, Tim? Yeah, over time, yes. You got to keep doing right over time. That's that's true. Very good, Carlene. Three of us in the area, and the other girl was uh, born again Christian. So my boss claimed he was an atheist. So we were just talking about, you know, church, God, whatever. And he was always kind of, you know, making a little bit of fun of us. But uh, when I started working with him, we knew we were kind of getting to him when he came one day and brought us a picture of a monkey and told us, I brought you a picture of your grandfather. <laughs> Okay. But in addition to that, um, he also gave me a commendation that he gave me another favor. He still gave me a commendation for my work. Okay, so an atheist who is, uh, who is uh, trying to mock your salvation, and the correct reply was, speak for yourself when he said, is it, no, that's not true. <laughs> no, no, she's talking about an uh, unsaved, someone who's an atheist, but could recognize through her work. And that is a powerful testimony. Amen. We're going to stop. Their service will start at 1030. God bless you.